From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. Besides being subject to legal action, mothers who abandon their children generally hold a special place of villainy in the court of public opinion. Witness the recent condemnation after Diana Elliott left her developmentally challenged 14-year-old son at an Atlanta hospital. Well, not everybody jumped on the bandwagon of rage. Some on social media expressed sympathy for a single mother of four caring for a child with special needs. Two dozen women showed up at her first hearing to ask the court for mercy. GPB digital producer Jade Abdul-Malik followed up on the story of complete strangers showing up to support an overwhelmed mother. And she's here with more on the story. Jade, great to have you with us. Thank you. So you research and you post a number of stories for GPB News. You really dug into this one. Why? So two summers ago, I took a leap of faith and I decided to volunteer at a summer camp for people with special needs in Cupertino, California. And I was put in the forefront of advocating for individuals that a lot of us don't usually think about on a daily basis. So I'm working with people with Down syndrome, working with people with autism, working with people with, you know, a lot of severe mental delays. And so I knew that this is something that's important to not just this population, but to everyone around us, because people with special needs and challenges like that affect us in ways that we can't even imagine. And I imagine a lot of demands for their needs. Exactly. So what did you learn about Diana Elliott, the woman at the center of the story? Diana Elliott is a 37-year-old mother from Atlanta with four children, one of them having Down syndrome, and that's the one that she left at Grady Memorial Hospital in Atlanta on December 4th. Mm -hmm. She did what she thought was best for her child at the time and left him there So because she was so overwhelmed at the time. And that's what she told police. I was just too overwhelmed. Yes, that's what she told the police that she was just too overwhelmed and she doesn't have a criminal record. So she took this option to seek some sort of respite or some sort of break to kind of scramble together to take care of her children. Now, I understand that when she was arrested, she was taking care of her other kids at a hotel in Atlanta. So She was living in a hotel, which has to have some hardship behind it. Exactly. I mean, we're talking about a single mother here that, you know, just kind of paint the picture of a single mother with four children living in a hotel room. That shows, you know, that there is some sort of disparity and some sort of need not being met or satisfied at the time. And so, you know, we just have to contextualize the story a little bit here and paint the picture of who this mother is. So what was she charged with? Diana Elliott was charged with a felony child cruelty. And so that, because it's a felony charge, I mean, it's pretty rare to have a signature bond, but... Mm -hmm. Tell us what the signature bond is. A signature bond, it requires a defendant to sign saying that they're going to come, they they promise to come back for their court hearing. Mm -hmm. So in this case, Diana had to promise to appear in court for her next hearing. And if she doesn't show up, then she has to pay $10,000. Okay, so that's unlike someone putting up money for bail. Exactly. She would have to pay it if Mm -hmm. she doesn't show up. So signature bond actually becomes part of this story. But what happened to the other kids, the three children? So Elliot's children, including Sheldon, is in custody with a division of family and child services at at this moment. So this quickly became a much bigger community story. First of all, it's surprising to me that people were weighing in online and saying, okay, you know, some were saying like, you shouldn't have children if you can't take care of them, that kind of thing that we've heard before in these kind of cases. But a number of people saying, stop judging this woman. She's just overwhelmed. <laughs> so people showed up for her. And what, what did that support look like? For one, 
Diana Elliott's lawyer, Brian, Brian Gerard, came from Macon, Georgia, and took on her case pro bono. He has three adopted children with Down syndrome. So just right there, at, at, from a legal standpoint, we have support. Well, there's a bigger question here. I mean, although the responsibility for child care does not, of course, rest exclusively with mothers, there are far more men who give up custodial care. Is the twist in this story that people are coming to her aid, does that reflect, do you think, a shift in the way society at large considers this responsibility? You know, in my opinion, I do think so. I think in this case, you see a single mother who is extremely overwhelmed with taking care of a child with special needs. That is an emotional, physical, financial, and mental toll on a person. I mean, when you have a child that has outbursts in class, is nonverbal, has problems eating, has behaviors that deregulate the the function of a household, that takes out time and resources. And we see this mother do the best that she can and take her child with special needs to Great Memorial Hospital because when we think of hospitals, we think this is where people get help. This is where people get better. And to see her being arrested, it just kind of brings up this conversation of how if someone is trying to get help for themselves and their family and they get arrested and criminalized for it, how is that going to help tailor the conversation, improve the conversation about how we can better support women and children with special needs. Is that what you heard from the other women that you spoke to, that kind of emotional, financial, uh, um, even even mental health kind of dent in households? What did you hear? For sure. I mean, we've, the woman that I talked to spoke about how, you know, sometimes they feel ostracized, whether friends don't invite them to dinners or events anymore, or they kind of feel isolated because they're down to one income and they are the their sole provider for that child and they're trying to scrape up as much help as they can. We have people that are at their wit's end that cry about this this type of situation and they're trying to pull in as many resources as they can to better fit their family. I mean, we... When state-mandated services fall short, that's when community support helps out the most. When people like Stacey Georges, the CEO of the Special Re- Special Needs Respite Program, comes in and creates a nonprofit or, you know, other people create nonprofits to kind of serve as a middleman between the state and the citizen to help kind of bridge that gap between resources and things like that. And the people that showed up for Elliot in the courtroom included women that have children with special needs, like Carla Griffin and Elisa Armstrong Gibbs. So those are two of the women that you spoke with. Here's a clip one of, from one, Carla Griffin, one of the mothers who you spoke to after the incident, who came and supported Diana Elliott. I did the same thing she did some years ago. I did. I abandoned my son in a hospital for seven months. There's a wait list that is miles long, and a parent runs out of strategy. What is she talking about, the wait list? So Georgia has two uh, program waivers. One is called the Comprehensive Support Waiver Program and the New Options Waiver Program. What those are, they supply services to individuals with special needs and help with their living situation. But the thing with that is these programs are severely underfunded and people that apply are put on wait lists that could, I mean, they can be on these wait lists for 
at least a decade. So that, you know, if the only time that someone can be taken off of this wait list or moved up is if someone moves away or passes away, things like that. So there's no sense of relief coming. None. Which I imagine is really tough psychologically. I'm speaking with GPB digital producer Jade Abdul-Malik discussing some of her reporting on an Atlanta story that's gained a lot of extensive coverage and support throughout the state and the United States. Last month, the mother was arrested on charges of child cruelty after leaving her 14-year-old son at Grady Hospital. I imagine a hospital or a fire station would be safe places for those in need in similar cases as Carla, the woman that you spoke to, mentioned. But... Georgia does have what is called a safe haven law. Does that apply in cases like this? No, the safe haven law doesn't apply in this case. What the safe haven law provides is it allows mothers to surrender their newborns within 30 days of birth with no ID required. Now, this law was set into place about two decades ago, but only two years ago, our mothers allowed to drop babies off at any fire station, police station, or hospital. Babies, so it's only up to a certain age of child. Exactly, within 30 days of birth. So in this case, Sheldon would not be included in this law. So what is DFCS saying about this? I mean, this really has gotten a lot of attention throughout the country. So uh, DFCS hasn't, I haven't received a statement from them at all, but I mean, Sheldon and the three other children that Diana has are in their custody. So there we have to wait on Diana's next court hearing and to see if she can rehabilitate herself enough to maintain housing and other needs to support her children again and reunite with them. So how about the criticisms that come up for people like Diana, I'm wondering if the women that you spoke to had answers for that. You know, if you feel overwhelmed by your kids, why did you have so many? You know, those kind of judgments often come up. We definitely have to change the conversation about how we react to people with special needs. They're human just like us. When we eventually, a, a lot of us will come into terms with some sort of disability, whether you break a leg temporarily or you have a traumatic brain injury. These conversations must be normalized because there shouldn't be a need for someone to be arrested for getting the help that they need, especially if he if she provided him the best care that she could at the time. That should be more important than nitpicking how she handled the situation. At the end of the day, people need help when they need help. And the best thing that you can do is to lend an ear, lend a hand, and hold someone through and through the journey. Diana Elliott did not have any kind of criminal record. Did she have a record with DFCS of reaching out for services? Do you know? Um, as far as I know, Diana did not have any record with uh, DFCS. Well, Jade, I'm thinking for you, it's this a Pretty emotional story. You heard some gripping stories from people who are dealing with similar kind of troubles. And it's a lot to cover as a journalist, and especially for someone like you who had worked with children with developmental disabilities. What was your biggest takeaway from this experience? So I've heard when because I worked at a summer camp that deals with this type of population, I was all too familiar with the stories of these mothers that are just kind of, you know, are at their wit's end. They they just kind of fall to their knees. It's like, I just need two hours to breathe. 
or I just need to visit my family or I need to get some work done. I just need to not have to worry about cleaning the house for a week. And this type of conversation and this type of environment and culture even, it's just so imperative that when someone needs help, we give them a platform to receive that help in any way that we can. And so to hear these stories about women that have been so emotionally exhausted and financially exhausted, it hurts. And it's it can be hard to detach your emotions from a story. But the way that I work through it is to find women that feel so impassioned by it and to feel so, you know, encaptured by these stories or have lived through these experiences to tell that story so that other people like Diana do not feel alone and know that they can get help that they need. Jade Abdul-Malik, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you so much. You can read Jade's follow-up to the Diana Elliott case at gpbnews.org. Coming up. They had so little and they gave so much. It was it was humbling to, to see what they wanted to give us of themselves. And it demanded the same from us. High school sports teams can cover a lot of miles. Few as life-changing as a high school girls volleyball team from Metro Atlanta who traveled to Botswana. I'm Virginia Prescott. Hear about that journey and stay with us for more of On Second Thought. 